Welcome to Pink Elephant's Practitioner Radio 2.0, bridging the gap between data and wisdom. With your host, Troy Dumoulin, Vice President, Research, Innovation, and Product for Pink Elephant, and Chris Dancy, Data Exhaust Cartographer and Enterprise Apophenia.ch exploring the technology nuances of our connected world. Welcome to Practitioner Radio version 2, episode 54, A Connected World. Troy, we got new music. We got new music and uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of feeling fresh. It's uh, it's a new world. It's a connected world. Or it's a small world, I'm not sure. Well, I guess it's getting to be very, very small. A small world after all. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Uh, for those of you who listen to the show 53, uh, you'll know that we're doing a new show. For those of you who might have just picked this up or found this today and missed 53, and you're like, I listened to 52, I should have to go back and listen to 53. We'd like you to, but but we'll, we'll tell you what's going on. Troy, you want to talk a little bit about Practitioner Radio uh, 2.0? Yeah, so um, like we talked about in the last show, we've we had three years of good running focused on IT management best practices. Uh, the world is kind of getting broader in the sense of emerging and connective technology. In fact, I uh, like the, the the new term that's being coined out there called business technology. There is no such thing as an IT technology. This business technology is embedded in everything we do. So that means the practices we think about the data it's producing has to impact all of our lives. So we you put it this way, with the kid's getting on the bus and he's going out into a wild world. And we really wanted to move the focus uh, from, uh, really borrow from the data information knowledge wisdom uh, cycle or pyramid, or there's a bunch of different ways that people talk about this model, and really talk about, you know, really dive into those systems and tie them back. And for those of you who are big fans of uh, classic PR radio, uh, that's not going away uh, in in. in and some way, I mean, that's Troy and I will be talking about IT service management concepts throughout this, but we're broadening the concept. But I think we have an announcement. Uh, you can coming online is a new show, right, Troy? That's right. Pink Pink Radio will kind of stay focused on the true concepts of you know IT management and service management, and it might cross into this stuff as well. But it's going to be where we've been for the last couple of years and keeping it fresh. Now, you, did you say it'll? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you people, say it'll, I say idle. You say it'll, I say idle. So uh, other new stuff. So uh, the show format will still be 30 minutes, so you don't have to worry about that. If you've got a lot of people write us and say, I love it because I've got exactly 30 minutes on my ride or you know, I listen to you during my lunch break or things like that. So you still get that. Uh, there'll be a couple of slight little changes besides the actual content. But other than that, it's the same show. It's Troy and I. We're getting together. And uh, you'll be able to check us out for our first live version of PR Radio uh, 2.0 at the Pink Conference, which is literally, by the time you listen to this, like next week. Just a few sleeps away. Just a few sleeps. So, Troy, to kick things off, I thought we could talk a little bit about uh, a tweet uh, that I saw from Rob England. Because Rob England, just like the rest of us, you know, Rob England, I sometimes call him the uh, digital canary in the, uh, in the velocity of information coal mine. Uh, tweeted out, what is the operational and maintenance overhead of the Internet of Things? Hashtag ITSM. And I thought, what a better way to start than to talk about what is the Internet of Things and kind of like get our view. Well, you know, we just talk about it because PR Radio 2 is about us just exploring these issues. So in concept, pretty much everything that we have out there that we use as in our daily lives, whether they be you know, business Technologies, but now moving into our personal lives, where we you know wear the Fitbit in our on our 
on our wrist or the, 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 the watch or even now the refrigerator where we are putting things into the refrigerator and is checking off the RFID tag information, keeping an inventory and even maybe presenting us the conversation of, you know, here's what you have in your fridge and here's what you can make as potential recipes. Everything connected to the net, right? right. Uh, Samsung is creating this platform for connecting your home appliances right now. So this premise of everything connected is the basis of the Internet of a Thing. Yep. And it, and like you said, I think, you know, sometimes, you know, because I haven't read one good definition of the Internet of Things. Um, you know, I consider myself pretty connected. Uh, <laughs> You're one of the most connected people I know, Chris. I mean, don't you have a picture with wires coming out of your wrist? <laughs> yes. Uh, actually, there's a bunch of in news stories. I'm in the news again today. I don't even want to talk about it. But yeah, they refer to me as the most connected man on earth. And I think in some ways, it's about integrating what I learned in my history and service management with my use of technology. So for me, the Internet of Things really isn't so much the Internet of Things, but it's the Internet of Me and how I relate to all of these systems when I become a system and these systems then have influences over me. So much of what we talked about in all of Practitioner Radio Classic was about systems, systems thinking and how these things work together. And and can you apply principles in service management? I think one of the reasons, you know, I feel I've been so successful in integrating my systems is Heck, I grew up in them. Well, you're an early, you're an early adopter. You actually go out and look for the things which are advanced on connectivity, and you apply them and integrate them to your life. Right? How many data sources do you actually have? I think you told me like in the hundreds. Uh, three to four hundred systems measuring me at any point. Right now, I've got a thirty-one that I can visibly see. So that's kind of scary and bizarre in a couple of ways, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, scary and bizarre. Yeah, but we've. I always remind people that, you know, if you go to the grocery store, there's about, you know, I think I counted 17 sensors that, you know, everything from the cameras in the ceiling to the door sensors to the scanners at the checkout, you, you, you know, it's everything's watching you, right? So, you know, I think it's a quest to, you know, to understand the information, you know, the, the, the data, the information, the knowledge and the wisdom and kind of bring them together. The wisdom would be the CSI part of, of, of the Internet of Things. There's many issues with this that people are struggling with, that people are scared of. Mm. First of all, there's the the whole I'm worried conversation because the more information you have about you, the more you get on the grid. Many people, uh, like my own father, prefer to live off the grid. And this is uh, an invasion of their privacy, the fact that they're forced to basically show their physical virtual presence uh, in the context of a connected world. Well, what are some other things? Let's, let's list some things out. So you've got... For IoT, you've got people who are worried about privacy. You've got the operational maintenance issue. Yeah, that was the premise that uh, Rob is bringing up because I don't think people are counting the costs. They're they're building automated, integrated technologies into everything, and that has some basis of cost on a maintenance, on an operations, on a support basis, and no one's really considering or building out a model for that yet. And I think you've got probably cultural issues within a business or a family when, you know, people are connected to a bunch of things and, and how that's influencing them. So we've got the privacy issue. We've got the overhead maintenance issue. We've got the cultural issues. What else we got? Complexity. Complexity issue. I mean, my parents are, <laughs> not just my parents, there are many 12 o'clock flashers still out there who couldn't, you know, program their VCR. Yep. This this has got to be somehow something they don't have to worry about. And then maybe we could do five. What would be the fifth one you think for IoT? A fifth issue we could tackle? Because we'll tackle all five today. Name the We've got privacy, overhead, cultural issues, complexity issues. Anxiety. Anxiety. Okay. Yeah, emotional. Uh, that's, that's, let's go with that, the emotional issues. 
All right. So where do you want to start? Privacy, emotional complexity, the cultural impact of IoT, or the operational overhead of IoT? We've got some good stuff. Let's start on that last one, because I think that's, that's something that a lot of the folks who listen to Practitioner Radio or live in the IT world, support world, and I think, you know, they're saying, okay, big deal, What? how does that impact me? Okay. All right, so I was speaking to a client just recently, and they're in the medical pharmaceutical business, and so they're talking about insulin pumps and mm. um, pacemakers, and they're connecting these things, which have data sources now, which are course captured by the individual but these are feeding back into their healthcare providers and there's a lot of things that come with this because literally this endpoint technology and that's what it's called right an insulin pump is an endpoint technology who, who you know we always knew it was classic with classic technology but now it's information technology as well uh, or I was recently with a, a major client and their tractors that roam the fields, they call themselves they, they sell iron first and then they sell data second so the data about the crops, uh, how they're being rotated, how the yields of various soils are being uh, managed, all of this is now becoming a data issue. Now, these are customer-facing and market-facing business units, which are managing endpoint technology. And now these classic call centers, which have always existed for product support, have to be integrated with information technology and data support. So we've often had this kind of divorced concept. Here's the call center, which is end market facing. Here's the back office IT service desk. They use different processes, different uh, systems of record. And there's not a lot of collaboration between these two. I think they're going to merge and they have to because technology goes right out to the end point now. And, and that's, that's really the interesting thing is I think in so many ways, the internet of things is really about technology going out to the end point and then us coming back with something else, right? If you go far enough out and technology spreads all the way into things, you know, what do we bring, what do we bring back from that? Uh, the overhead that, though, I mean, to Rob's, I, mean, I think we're talking about the Rob question right at this point, right, for the operational. I, I think it's really hard because it kind of goes to the heart of, I think in some ways, the consumerization BYOD thing, right? Because, you know, without that, I don't think we could have seen the rise of the Internet of Things, right? Because probably the first Internet-enabled thing we brought to work was our smartphone. And then, you know, you could, I guess if, you know, if Rob wanted to answer, you could look at the impact of, did smartphones have a major impact on the operational costs of doing businesses in business? Did they increase support tickets? You know, was there an increase in infrastructure and hardware? Well, let me put it in a very practical way. Going back to my conversation with the customer talking about insulin pumps, right? In this case, the customer was talking about, we're going to adopt surface management, uh, but we're going to do it totally in replication to the back office IT function, the infrastructure data center folks. We're going to buy our own ticketing tool. We're going to put in our own incident problem change release process in. And yeah, we need to build bridges to that stuff. But they were not talking about integrating to existing systems. They were saying, we're going to replicate it again. So there's an overhead component because they're doubling up, tripling up by business unit now. On just the people process technology it will take to maintain all this. There's, there's not this vision of integrating the back office into the front office because it's all one thing now. You know, I, I've always questioned the, the veracity and wiseness of trying to integrate things. Uh, you know, I, I remember one time I tweeted, uh, I don't know why we pick on silos so much. Corn is pretty fragile. You had to have silos for a bunch of reasons, right? Because you had to protect the corn. Uh, you didn't want different types of flowering 
plants to cross, you know, once they were, were harvested to, to, to cross, you know, with each other. You didn't want oats in your corn silo. I mean, silos are, I mean, silos, I mean, if silos weren't a good thing, they wouldn't have existed, right? But in business, I think, you know, it becomes interesting, and to your point, you know, about the insulin pump people, you know, what I hear you saying is, you know, they're purposely creating this, this very separated group of systems, and they must have good reasons. Well, the reason given was they want to be flexible as an endpoint service provider now, which has data, <laughs> so that they can plug into any of the back-end suppliers that they want in their value chain. So we may not choose to plug into our corporate IT environment. We might choose to plug into a cloud provider or someone else. So we we got to have our own practices and not integrate with existing. That was the reason, and there's some viability to that, but they're willingly replicating and duplicating. And that's that's a that's a cost. I mean, it has to be at least costed into the product price and the support price for the endpoint technology. In this case, the insulin pump. It's good stuff. I mean, uh, I mean, you know, as always, you know, Rob provoked uh, a very large discussion thread on Twitter about that, and then it, I think it moved over to some other group. And uh, you know, I'm always thankful for those people who want to take time and actually dive in and and debate. And uh, it's interesting, uh, you know, the, the learning styles that emerge when we talk about these connected systems. But he's right, you know, that we haven't really taken into account what does it mean. We didn't do that either when mobile technology was all, you know, the the buzz, right? Well, that's why I brought up. That's why I brought up cell phones. I mean, that's right. Where, where this is the thing. Right? I'm gonna. I'm just gonna get up. I'm not gonna say get upset, but I'm gonna be a little passionate for a minute. This is the thing I don't understand about people like Rob England. Well, show me on his blog where the debate was when we brought smartphones in, into the into the organization. I mean, it's, none of these things are new, right? Internet of Things is not a new thing, right? Cloud computing wasn't new. We called it, you know, system was, uh, we called it, uh, I forgot what we called it. Well, we called it wide area network or co-located. Uh... None, of it's, none of it's new, but, you know, the need to, to talk about it is new, I guess. So I, I'm not really sure. Maybe, you know, maybe some of that's like now that we are connected, we can talk about it. But come on, people. <laughs> But what happens is the technology leads and we adapt. Yeah. Right? This has happened. This is Nicholas Carr's premise with the big switch. Technology always leads, and then we figure out how to incorporate it into our practices after the fact. This is normal. This is human culture and evolution of technology adoption. But what I, what I hear you saying, Troy, is, is technology leads and we adapt. And I think in some cases, maybe I'm, I'm pro- okay, now I am. I just realized I'm doing this. But I don't think talking about it is adapting. I think talking about it is just, in some cases, just holding people back. It, well, talking about it raise, at least raises the awareness of the problem statement. So he's, oh. he's put out a, a provocative tweet that asked the question about what's the cost. And that won't stop it. But at least people will start maybe to stop and think about it and maybe incorporate their unit price to include the non-technical cost elements as well, the non-functional, including the supported costs and the support and operating costs. So, you know, for all of you listeners out there, you know, you'll read a million things on the Internet of Things if you haven't already. You, you know, you might want to, like, understand it. But, uh, you know, just uh, as a Chris favor, <laughs> go slow with it. You know, be, you know, there's no need to understand all of it right away. Uh, but but really be focused on, on I, I think, you know, we've got a really good uh, uh, ending to our show. Uh, I think that's going to sum up what I'm trying to say better, so I'll leave that alone. Uh, out of our five, we got one off the list. Well, what do you want to tackle next? Let's talk about privacy. Mm, that's sticky. I don't want to say the, the term NSA on a podcast. I'm sure now it's going to be tracked. But you know, uh, Please, we were tracked already. I'm, I just don't forward you the email because I know it'll upset you. But go ahead. <laughs> the reality is, there is privacy is a myth now. Uh, and it becomes even more severe than that. I'm not sure if you caught the Black Hat article about Barnaby Jack. He was a hacker who was 
just about to release an exploit on how to hack into someone's pacemaker, and he died days before his own exploit got promoted. But if you think about it, when we are so, when we're, now we're in wearing technology and we're, our lives are dependent on it, and these things have circuits and chips which can be reprogrammed, you can assassinate people via information technology connectivity. Yeah, and I think in some ways we've been able to do that with mass media, not information, but just uh, we could we do we could do character assassinations long before we could do technological information assassinations. Well, well, that was part of the NSA thing. They were actually researching and looking into people that you know their online watching and online uh, surfing activities, so that they could have that information ready to discredit if necessary. But but when we, in some ways, the privacy issue to me, whenever I read about it, uh, you know, it always falls into one, you know, actually it always falls in the, the FUD camp, right? The fear, uncertainty, and doubt camp. Basically, in some ways, people are weaponizing personal information either for their own benefit or to scare other people to death. And, and I just don't know if this is a good thing. It's like we did with cloud computing. You can't trust that company because if you give them all your data, what happens if they shut down? You know, what happens if, you know, you, I remember when cloud computing got really big, you couldn't, you know, you can't have your data in a server in another country. But the risk is there. I mean, there was that, there's this recent TV series on television right now called Revolution, right? Mm-hmm. When the power goes out and what happens to the world. Mm. And we all revert back to a kind of a medieval type of, of culture. Have you read YouTube comments? We, I'm pretty sure we've reverted back to that culture already. <laughs> I mean, it, was, it just, I, I, yeah, okay. Well, we, we become dependent on it, and as we become dependent on it, one day if it's not there or if it's removed from us or it's cut off in some kind of weaponization task, like it's massive EMP thing that happens, you know, the reality is our fridge no longer refrigerates because it's been you know taken off the grid. I don't worry so much about, uh, when I say weaponized personal data, I don't worry so much about, you know, that happening, although I'm sure it could, anything is possible. I guess what I see and what, what makes me uncomfortable is when I see people use it as another measuring stick, you know? I mean, I think if you take something as simple as you said earlier, a Fitbit, that's really great. But if you become friends with people on the Fitbit network, you know, then it's a, it's, you know, it's a gamification of your health. Well, you know, at that point, you know, I think people have enough to feel bad about. That's what I mean by weaponization. I just, sometimes I wonder if, you know, the privacy issue isn't hurting people, not because they're not private, but because they go, for the people who aren't private, oh, look, how, look how good they are. You know, look at what they do. So you're out there in public and you want to be. Not everybody does, right? I'm out. No, okay, hold on. <laughs> Since this is a new show, I don't want to be out there in public. I'm out there in public because if there's going to need to be a vision, I'm going to be the creator of it. Okay, yeah, and you do that well. I mean, you are typically surfing the cutting edge of the wave. Right, so I mean, you got to remember, if to some people, you need to understand, it's not, do you need to be in public or not be in public, or are you in public or not? You know, I always tell people, it's it's give people something to look at, and they won't go any further. You know, and it's how you set up your privacy rules yeah. and such, but like, you know, the trust factor, this is where the emotional anxiety is going to come in. You know, people... You know, people make promises and you, you read the terms and conditions and they promise not to do this, but who says they're not going to be hacked? And, you know, your, your credit card information is not going to be downloaded from the Target self-help uh, kiosk. And you've lo- basically, the more you're out there, the more exposed you are and the more anxiety people can have about that. Well, it was just this morning, uh, Richard Morton on Twitter said, we take your privacy very seriously is the new, your call is important to us. <laughs> people are our most important asset. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're food. Soil and right? greed is people. Yeah. You know, it's well, basically information is the new currency. Uh, I, I did a tweet um, 
you know, people are, there's the data pushers and there's the data brokers and the data pimps and the data uh, no, spies, you, can, uh, you know, <laughs> we need data Texas Rangers <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it's the new currency. Well, that, I'm sure that'll come, you know, and, and the problem with that, those people who always want to protect and kind of keep you safe from that are always, there's always, you always got to wonder, you know, what's your, what's your interest in it? I, I don't know. I don't know. You know this, this is the anxiety and I'm talking to guys like Gary Case and, you know, he's, a little bit older school on this. The problem is that we, and my, again, I mentioned my parents a couple of times. The problem is we're not going to have a choice. So you almost give up because as new models of technology come in, they're embedded. You're not going to have an option to buy uh, a non-connected device. Like how many cell phones do you actually see out there today which just are a phone? None. Like literally. And that's only what, in a year Two years? I'm doing a session at Pink uh, where I'm talking about context. And obviously, to talk about context, I have to talk about IoT. Uh, but one of the slides in there is I went to a Walgreens. It, here in the United States, we have something called Walgreens. It's a, a drugstore of sorts. And it's one of the, it's this new model Walgreens. And instead of where the pharmacy is, they've got a concierge bar where you can talk to a physician. You can get shots, right? So, very, But then what blew me away was there's a whole wall of genetic testing kits for different ailments, and there's a whole wall of wearable medical devices at the drugstore. It's going to be so invasive, people won't have an option. You won't be able to buy a refrigerator without a menu. Just two weeks ago, uh, I can't remember what country it was, uh, the first application that can be used as a prescription. Not a pill. Doctors can now prescribe this application. <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes. It's just, I just don't think people, uh, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. What's the next issue? (laughs) Actually, before you go on, I'm just thinking about the Microsoft, because you won't have a choice. I made that comment a minute ago. Yeah. yeah. Think about Microsoft with the Xbox One launch. What were, when it originally came out, though there was a huge uproar and things have changed, what were some of the conditions about using the new Xbox product? You remember any of that? I'm not a gamer, but I know you are. Okay, so I'm a gamer. My, I have three sons. That's a choice secret we can talk about on 2.0. Troy's a gamer. <laughs> I'm massively online. <laughs> I have three sons, and I have to keep up with them. That's why. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I hear that. Right. So the Xbox One, one of the conditions of even turning it on and using it was it had to be connected to the internet. So it wasn't only that it was connected, it required connectivity to be even useful. Now, there was this massive uproar, and it wouldn't allow you to play retro games or anything of that. So basically, the world basically sent Microsoft stock into the toilet for a couple of weeks, and they reacted, and they reverted back to, okay, we, we you know, rescind on all of these requirements. But that's, that's just the beginning. You will not be able to turn on your toaster, all right, or plug in your new phone you've just purchased, and that's already true. You can't use an iPhone or anything unless you've actually connected to the internet. But that will go right down to the baby monitor in your nursery. It won't actually start until it gets connected to the web. And, and part of that is because they believe customers want an experience, and without you know, and without connecting to something, they can't fully control that experience. And I think some of that's just consumer entitlement being infused into products, and somebody believing, well, somebody would want this. I mean, there's a teddy bear. Uh, that you know, you put in your kid's cradle, and it's got a camera, and it measures the kid's, you know, health signs. And I just thought to myself, the last thing I want is this teddy bear, you know, having you know some malfunction. But then I thought, okay, you're starting to act like everybody else, right? It's just a teddy bear with some sensors. Calm down, right? I I had Teddy Ruxpin in the '80s, right? It was the thing you put a, a cassette player in the back, and it talked and moved its arms. I don't think my mother worried once it was going to attack me or speak backwards in tongues, right? So. You know, we go a little slower with this tech. The reality is we're in the boiling the frog syndrome. 
Yep. Okay, so there's an immediate reaction to this because it's new, it's scary, it gives us anxiety. But the heat will continue to go up soon. We won't be able to have options for buying non-connected devices uh, and we'll simply, we will be integrated into the Borg Collective, <laughs> which is a total Internet of Things. Yeah. Star Trek thought of it first, buddy. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's also important to remember with Internet of Things, we're not just talking about connected things, right? The Internet of Things is also any application you use is talking to the Internet, right? I always tell people there's four areas you need to watch in your life. Applications, devices, sensors, and services. Every service you use on the web is connected to the web, right? It's, it's connected to other things on the web. Every application you use is connected to the web or some service. Every sensor you buy for your house, from my Wi-Fi lighting to my motion sensors, are connected to the web, right? So devices, sensors, service, uh, services, and applications. I mean, look at everything you use. And I always tell people, you know, just kind of a, as a, a general rule of thumb, make healthy choices. If you buy something, can you get your data out of it? You know, you wouldn't buy a business service that you couldn't get your data out of. But yet we buy a Fitbit, and you're basically locked into it. You want to move to Jawbone, you lost two years of health history. Would you th- would you burn a medical record every time you saw your doctor? Well, that's you're talking about something that's true of all technology, right? It first comes out as proprietary because that's how vendors and how suppliers build market for their brand. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually, they have an open source movement where we demand an open platform for collaboration and data sharing. And eventually, the technologies evolve to open frameworks. But that's a ways away. That's That usually comes in 10, 15, well, maybe not 10, 15 anymore, but several years into a technology immersion. Yeah, we'll have to have a, we'll have to have a show on APIs and, and, and how APIs are kind of moving some of this around. All right, we got two of our three or three of our three. What was the next one? Uh, I, you wrote them down. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I sent them over that's to you. That's my short-term memory. It's what's happened. The internet's made me stupid. <laughs> we had, uh, we had people say that so, so much. It increased your ability to learn. Uh, privacy, uh, we, we covered privacy. We covered operational overhead. We, we have emotional complexity and cultural. I think we've kind of touched on some of those. Anyone you want to close on? Well, the culture is interesting. Uh, I'm not going to get this exactly right, but there's this, this cultural adoption premise where depending on where you are in your life, at a certain point the technology is introduced, you're either going to absorb it or not, right? So if you're like 65 or older and the technology comes in, you basically choose to ignore its existence because you can ride out to the end. Uh, if it's something in your uh, work-life period, you'll adapt it and exploit it to be part of your ability to generate income and support your family. Uh, but if you're earlier now, in your 20s or your teens, it's something that's exciting and you've exploited it and you become you know, the gurus of that technology. Uh, and if it's something that you're, you're 10 or younger when it introduced, there was never a life before it. So none of these concerns are actually even something they will consider when they're a teen or 20. So it's really about... Culture depends on at what point was this introduced and how are you going to adapt it. Like my my father will literally probably unplug, you know, as opposed to plug in. He'll cut the cord, but that won't even be conceivable for my sons. And I, you know, I, I introduced this at Pink in 2011 uh, when I did my ITSM 2525. Was you know, will your sons even have the choice to unplug, right? Uh, not, and I don't mean unplug when they're physically when they get old enough and they do have a natural organic death. What does that look like? Because they were connected to so many systems, right? Is is there you know is is there some way? I mean, there are many services uh, that that are working now to use this information so that you can still query mom. 
interesting times, I think, in the next, I'm going to say three to five years. I think you might see the pitchforks come out once or twice more like the Xbox One launch, but yeah. it will very quickly, actually. That'll happen. Check out a, a service called uh, the Tweet After or, or the Tweet On. and It's one of these services that you API into your Twitter account, and it, and it lets you, uh, it tweets on your behalf, and you can, you can actually have it keep going after you don't. <laughs> <laughs> He's still alive. <laughs> He's still alive. <laughs> But yeah, culturally, it's it's really interesting to watch this happen. I mean, I think you know at the different companies I've worked for over the you know past few years, and just just traveling around and visiting some major corporations, everyone's connected to so many things. And I think it's interesting that it's, you know it's really starting in health. But culturally, you know, you know, people are like they're either doing it or they're not doing it. But I, one thing that I found interesting was socioeconomically, I don't see it really like having any polarization. Like I'll see people who are obviously, you know, not you know, super, you know, probably not middle class who will have wearable health devices on. And then I'll say, you know, it, it's it's really strange how this is happening. Yeah, well, that, and that's where it's coming in. You know, in the mobile phones, it came in through, you know, personal BYOD. It's coming in through that as well as the health industry. Like Google announced uh, it's working on technology for uh, contact lenses to measure the glucose, glucose level for, you know, diabetics. Now, that's going to be something that people will depend on uh, as they depend on their pacemakers today. So people will become dependent on this. And it's, and it's a very short hop, you know, for them to link that to a heads-up display that's tied to some type of work system. And then you call the help desk about your glucose contacts. I mean, I, you know, people can say that's the far stretch. It's not. It's a very short hop. You, you know, in our monitoring systems, our vent management, management tools... <laughs> Will be connected to that you insulin pump that you that that thing you're going to have you're going to be a blip on the no, you're going to be a node on the network yeah so so yeah we go from we go from wearable technology to imperceptible technology to human cyborg <laughs> yeah that's cyborgs aren't too bad I know a few cyborgs that don't use any technology they're just mentally just basically a robot so Troy the weather is past we don't have thunderbolts we don't have thunderbolts in this new world but we do have. It's time for the Cognition Spark of the Week. Cognition Spark. Cognition Spark. So what we thought we'd do with the Cognition Spark is just like Thunderbolt, leave you with something to think about that kind of brings together a lot of different ideas from the show. But unlike the Thunderbolt, you know, we're both going to do this. Our guests will do this. Uh, But we also can do quotes. So uh, this week, uh, Troy and I talked, and this is something from last year I found that I really thought was profound. Uh, A writer, I think he works for the Wall Street Journal, I can't remember, but we'll, we'll make sure we correct it in the show notes, Joshua Topolsky. So the Cognition Spark of the Week is this. When you're connected to everything, everything can seem connected. Confusing those things is dangerous. Data to wisdom. Troy, exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to PR Radio version two and, and, and taking these topics head on as they relate to the industry and business and our lives and connections. And I am so happy to still be connected to you. Likewise, let's look forward to a great new year. Okay, everyone, we'll see you next week. Take care. 